0: Talk to you today, briefly. First of all, I want to thank Pastor Kevin Wallace and Devin Wallace for allowing me the opportunity. I want to thank you because uh, back in November, and one of our two of our trustees are here. Uh, back in November, our trustees voted to mandate that our pastors take a sabbatical, and we've not hidden that. We've trusted you. A lot of places, when the pastor's out, they don't tell you he's going to be out, but our people are faithful. And as Pastor Kevin, I love what he said in the video. If you, if you see his own, on social media, he said, while I'm out, I need you to be all in. So it's not a time that we take off. It's not a time that we don't come. I think he used the word, don't have preacher religion. If you love God, you come to worship God, not the person spreading the word, right? So we need you to be here. Jim Raley next week is going to be phenomenal. He's one of the greatest preachers you'll ever hear. If you haven't heard Jim Raley from Daytona, Florida, get here early because it's going to be powerful. And each week there's going to be some stuff going on in kids' ministry that you want your kids to be a part of. So again, I just reiterate, all in while they're out because how many know after 20 years, they need a little bit of a break? They need a little time with their 87 children, as we say. So pray for them, that they would come back refreshed and renewed. But while we're here, we're going to have church. Is that okay? Amen. I want you to turn, and, and momentarily I'm going to share with you uh, my favorite subject. And I, I, was, I was reflecting as I was preparing for this day, and I haven't preached on this subject in, in Cleveland yet. It's been three years since I preached on it in Chattanooga. But uh, the year was 2015. And I want to show you something. I'm going to lay the foundation. It's going to take me a minute to lay the foundation to get where we want to go. By the end of the service, I think you'll see where we're going and it makes sense. But I want to preach on prayer. The most simple, the most misunderstood, the most undervalued element of our human lives is the power of prayer. 2015, uh, Dad and I, my dad's here today looking dapper. That's my dapper dad right there. He's none of your business years old, but he still looks good. And my mom is streaming. She's recovering from some health issues. Hey, Mom, uh, we love you, and we're praying for you. We're going to pray for you by the end of the service today, Mom. But 2015, um, I had, uh, after 15 years in teaching and education and probably 30 years of, of 25 or 30 years of ministry uh, in all shapes and sizes and forms, uh, Dad and I partnered in a business, And many of you know our story in this community, built a hotel up at Paul Huff Parkway, uh, the Holiday Inn Express. And I don't even think I've ever told you this, Dad, but in 2015, I get a phone call from the Intercontinental Hotel Group, IHG. And that's who owns Holiday Inn. That's who owns uh, 12 different brands of hotels, Holiday Inn, Holiday Inn Express. Intercontinental is a five-star Ritz-Carlton type product. They own 12 groups. And I'll never forget, they called, and my general manager came in. She said, headquarters is on the line. That's not usually a good thing. Headquarters and business is on the line. is usually you did something wrong. So I hesitated. I said, okay, I'm going to go take the call. I went in. They said, Richie, this is so-and-so, so-and-so from IHG headquarters, and we would like for you to speak at the owner's meeting that's coming up, uh, you know, two or three months from now. And I said, I can't. And they said, well, you know, we we want you to speak because your hotel in your region has experienced the largest growth of any hotel, 16% year-over-year markup. Anybody in business, can you claim 16%? I said, really? I didn't even know that. They said, yeah, we want you to tell them how you achieved that and the strategies that you put and implemented and, and on and on and on. And I said, I can't. And they said, you don't understand, this is a huge honor. It's not everybody that gets to speak. You may never have another opportunity again. You probably will never experience another year where you have 16% growth. I said, I can't. And they said, why can't you speak? This is not to your competition. This is your brand. This is, this is the, the group that's you're helping people. You're helping other hotel owners build their brand and, and build their business. And I said, I can't do it. And he said, why? I said, because I don't know why we grew. He said, well, what did you do to incur growth? I said, I don't know. He said, so you're telling me you don't have anything to share? I said, I have nothing to share. I said, you know what? Wait a minute. I'll be glad to share. Great, great. You will? You'll do it? I said, yes, I'll do it. I said, but I need to warn you. Most hotel owners are not Christians. They observe a different religion. And I said, I'm going to tell them that I don't know what we did. I don't know how we did it. I had no idea that we did it until you called me. But I'm going to tell them that I know how to pray. And when I pray, God hears my prayer. And God blessed our business not because of, but in spite of our ignorance and our untrained, uh, unknowing, And he said, hey man, thanks, it's great talking to you. There in that moment I realized that we undervalue and we misunderstand the power of prayer. There's a power in prayer. There are three things that take place in prayer and I'm going to show you in just a moment. We probably won't get through all three of them, but I hope we'll get as far as we can. And I've already told Pastor Chris I'll come back and sew this up on a Wednesday night in August sometime when Pastor Kevin's back. But I want you to to, to think with me for just a minute. Defined prayer is intentional communication with God. Intentional communication with God. So if we participate in prayer, we're praying to a God who we believe is powerful enough, who is gracious enough, who is merciful enough, and who is willing enough to actually hear our prayers, We do not pray in vain. So, if we believe that, then we actually believe that God is powerful enough, gracious enough, and willing enough to actually answer our prayers. Amen? We do not pray in vain. We pray for an answer. There are over 650 documented prayers in your Bible. My Bible has 1,242 pages in it, there's one on every other page on average. There's a documented prayer 650 times. In this Bible, there are over 450 documented answers, meaning that 650 times there was a prayer. And 450 times, the Bible tells us how God answered that prayer. Now, here's what I believe about prayer. I believe God has answered every prayer that I've ever prayed. There's never been a time that he has not answered my prayer. I sometimes have a hard time when he says no. I have a real hard time when he says, wait a, wait a while, you're not quite ready for that yet. And sometimes the answer is just a flat out no, because he knows what's better for us, what we have need of, better than we know ourselves, amen? My father's here today, I heard that word no a lot. I heard no, no, you're not doing that, no, you will not go there, no. And why, daddy? Because I know what's best, Father knows what's best. And when I think about it, we're going to to talk about the Lord's Prayer today. Because when we look to see how we should pray, why would we not go to the source of the prayer? Jesus actually taught us to pray in Matthew 6. If you want to turn to Matthew 6, we're going to read that momentarily. But but when I think about Jesus and how he prayed, I think about the times over and over and over again. The New Testament tells us that Jesus went off to pray. Jesus went off to pray. He left the disciples. He went off to pray. He went over on the mountain and prayed. He went over in the woods and prayed. He went off to pray. And when I think about that, I think, you know what's really cool about that? Is that he was just having a conversation with his dad. And he and I talk, my dad and I talk three or four times a week. And most of the time, we really don't have anything to talk about. It's just, hey, man, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? Good, good. What's going on? Oh, nothing, what you up to? Nothing. I just want to talk to him. He just wants to talk to me. So Jesus would go off and just have a conversation with his dad. Have a conversation with his father. So when we look at this intentional communication with God that we call prayer, the power that lies within, we need to understand that it's a process. So to fully understand this process, we look to how Jesus taught us to pray. If you'll turn with me to Matthew 6, and I want you to stand for the reading of the word. It starts out, interestingly enough to me, because we just come out of a month that America celebrated what's called pride. And Jesus' teaching right here is pretty hard on pride. Don't do it publicly. Go off in your prayer place and pray privately. Because if you do it publicly, you'll be rewarded publicly. But if you do it privately, then I'm going to reward you publicly myself if you want the rewards of the earth, then you go do what you want so everybody can see you. But you go get in the closet and watch what I'll do for you. That's what Jesus is talking about in the opening of Matthew 6. It goes down to this. It says, when you pray, verse 5, when you pray, oh, excuse me, there we go. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men, by people. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room. Shut your door. Pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. Coming out of Pride Month, here's what I believe. We need a a month of humility. We need a, a month of humbleness. We got enough pride, and pride comes before the fall. So Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Keep going, please. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. In other words, don't just, uh, you know, pray. Pray. I'm always confused when when I hear somebody from Bradley County where I grew up that talks like I do. That talk in Tennessee like Morgan Wallen. That's how I feel. And then when they pray, oh, God, our Father. That ain't how you talk. You're talking to God. Be authentic. Don't pray in vain repetitions, that they will hear their many words and the eloquence of speech and big words that you don't even know the meanings to. Man, just get down to business and talk. Hey, Dad, how you doing? I'm good. What's going on? Hey, God, it's me again. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, pray this way. Here's what I want you to do. I'm not going to ask you to repeat after me. I want you to pray with me. Is that okay? Jesus taught us the perfect prayer. Because he's the only person that ever lived in human form that was perfect. So he knows how to pray and receive power. No human being has ever walked the earth that could heal bodies and do the things that Jesus has done. So why would we not model after him? Amen. So we're going to pray old school. In the King James Version. And I want you to pray along with me. Not, not after me. Fair enough? We ready? Now, this is not football practice where we go and see how fast we can get. Our oh, Father, would art in heaven. Amen. Let's marinate and meditate on each word. Can we do it? Are you ready? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You can be seated. Three parts to that prayer. Praise, power, and prophecy. Today I want to talk to you first about praise. 65 words. Took us about 30 seconds to say it. No prayer has ever been prayed that was as powerful as that right there. Pray that over your family. Understand what's being said. Understand that praise always comes first. Always comes first. There's a reason. Have you ever been to a church? Let me just ask it this way. Have you ever been to a church where you walked in the church and at nine o'clock, instead of the drum going one, two, three, four, the preacher got up and said, Turn in your Bibles to. He preached for 45 minutes. He sat down and they sang three songs and went home. There is a divine order that is biblical. Praise always comes first. We always start with praise. We always start with praise and worship before the word. It's a divine order. In the Bible times, the battlers, the praisers went into battle first. Making noise with cymbals and shofars and trumpets. And it's like, why are you doing that? You're eliminating the element of surprise. No, they were creating the atmosphere. They were preparing the way. So praise always comes first. There are six praise phrases in that verse, in that prayer, that precede any petition. Our Father... Recognizing, we're recognizing His deity, we're recognizing that He's over us and above us and He He helped create, He did create us. Our Father which art in heaven, heaven the place that we aspire to go to one day. Our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. His deity, we recognize how sovereign He is, hallowed be thy name. Where we get the word hallelujah. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, meaning it's all yours, Lord. Everything is yours. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, meaning we submit to you. We're asking you to take over. We can't do it without you. We can't do anything without you, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Six praise phrases. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth. As it is in heaven. Recognizing that he's not just God of heaven. But he's the God of earth. He created it all. There is no big bang theory that creates what I get to look at every day in the mountains of Tennessee. Amen. God created it. God created us in his image. We are his. Six times the praise comes first. It's biblical. Praise always comes first. Six times there's a praise phrase before he finally says this. Give, give us this day our daily bread. Now look at the difference. People that don't understand the power of prayer and understand how to pray, we go to God with our Christmas wish list. Oh God, I need you. You're going to have to get involved, God. I'm sick, I don't feel it. You better get, you, God. That's not how we pray. See, when we give Him praise, we open access to the throne of God. I tell it this way, I got two daughters. And you know, dad, how many dads got daughters? You got girls, you got daughters? Do they just own you? <laughs> I'm sorry, sons, it's not the same. When my two come to me, all of their lives, they know they know the game, and I know they're playing the game, and I don't even care. <laughs> Daddy, that black shirt look that's very thinning on you, Daddy. Daddy, you've got a nice-looking tan. You've been out in the sun a little bit, Dad. Dad, you're rocking some Air Force Ones. Look at your shoe game. I know what's coming. Hey, Dad, we, we, we're going to the movies. You got 20 bucks? Is that all? Is that all you need? Keep, keep, keep praising. Keep talking. You need 30? I want to give you all that I've got. When we go to God with our praise, it just opens his heart and his mind. He's got so much to give us. And he wants to give all of it to us. Who wants all that God has for you? Praise always comes first. Six praise phrases. Then he says, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts. It's the second petition. Lead us not into temptation. The third one. And then the fourth one. Is deliver us from evil. So it's already six to four. I got six praise phrases and four asks. Right? But then watch this. See, it's important how you open a prayer. And it's just as important how you close a prayer. Because then he says, for thine is the kingdom and the glory. And then here's where the prophecy comes in. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. I'm probably not going to get to that today. But you come back on a Wednesday night in August and we'll go to the prophecy. But I've got to talk to you a little bit about praise. i got to talk to you about power. And we look to how Jesus taught us how to pray. And I get excited about it. Is that okay? So let me just pray this over everybody. Stretch your hand this way. Lord, before we ask you for anything, we thank you for everything. Amen and amen. That's how we should pray. That's how I teach my kids, open in praise, open in thanksgiving. If you pray over a meal, you're thanking God for the food on the table. Everything that we do should begin with praise. It's always, well, what should I praise Him for? How about your past? Oh, Rich, you're crazy, man. You don't know anything about my past. I know this. You're still here. I know this. You're blessed. I know this. It's probably better than you think it is. And we can focus on the good or we can focus on the bad. The biggest dog is the one that gets the most food. Think about this. Praise him for what he's proven. How he's proven himself, or and or. Over and over he has proven himself faithful. And I believe the more faithful we are, the more we get God's attention. You can't buy a blessing, but you can get God's attention. Favor follows faithfulness. Just do the right thing. Right receives rewards. He's proven that over and over again. Praise him for your present circumstances and rich, You don't know. I got this going on in my family. I lost my job this week. I got this. You don't know. Praise him. You slept somewhere last night, had a bed, a roof over your head, got a car. Somebody brought you to church, got clothes on your body, going to have a lunch after this is over. Praise him for your present circumstances. This is my favorite one. Praise Him for what He has prevented. Things that you don't even know. Things you'll never ever know that He prevented from happening. The enemy came to destroy you. And God said, nope. I'm going to thwart that. I'm going to expose that. You will not touch my child. What are you talking about, Rich? I'm talking about when you left your cell phone on the counter And you got five minutes down the road, and you got all ticked off because you had to turn around and go back and get your cell phone. And then when you get up the road ten minutes, you see an accident that you probably would have been right in the middle of. Praise Him for what He has prevented. The attacks of the enemy that you'll never know about. Praise Him for all things. Psalm 100 says, "Praise." uh, put, put up Psalm 100. Praise you. Make a joyful noise. Make a joyful shout to the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with what? Into His courts with? Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good. I actually believe that's an understatement. I I would never question the Bible, but good is an understatement for my God. I've told you before, my God is the greatest. He's the GOAT. You can take Michael Jordan. You can take LeBron. You can take Tom Brady. You you put them all together and they don't equal my God. He is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. His truth endures to all generations. Shut it down. I love where it says, enter in his courts of thanksgiving. Charles Spurgeon said that this was a song, that Psalm 100 was meant to be sung. And you don't understand, this actually has a reference to my singing. I'm in the Bible. It says, make a joyful noise. I'm not known for my singing. But let me tell you something. When I'm in the shower, Luke Bryan Luther Vandross. House is not a home. Morgan Wallen. I don't know who you like. I really don't. I can sing. I can sing women. I can be Beyonce. I can be Carrie Underwood. In the shower, I can sing all of them. Make a joyful noise. Praise enters us into His presence. As we praise, we approach His throne. It gives us access. We can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever felt the presence of the Holy Spirit? The Comforter, the Counselor. Praise enters us into His presence. It removes fear. Psalm 27, put it up. Psalm 27, it removes fear. I had an LLC, a limited liability corporation called PS27. Used to put it on my golf balls when I would go play with people so it was a conversation piece. They would pick my golf ball out of the hole after I made a birdie. Come on, somebody. They would say, what is this, P.S. 27? I'm glad you ask. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies, came upon me to beat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. What does that mean? That meant God tripped them up. They're chasing me downhill. They're catching up with me. God tripped them up. They stumbled and fell. Keep going. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. War may arise against me, and this will I be confident. One thing I have desired, one thing, one thing, one thing I have desired. I don't need to new this, and I don't need to new that, and I don't have to have that, and I don't have to go to this place that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Take it down. Praise precedes petition. Ephesians 3.14 says, I kneel before the Father. I loved it earlier today when Lacey was up here and she knelt. Because when we kneel, it's an act of reverence and it's an act of submission. And it says, I'm yours. You are sovereign. You are high and lifted up. God, I worship you. See, there's a posture in prayer. Sometimes it just doesn't work unless you get down on your knees. If you want to ascend up, you've got to get down. Get on your knees. Get on your face before the Lord. Let Him see that you're reverence And see that you're fully submitted unto what He's talking about in this prayer. <clears throat> prayer confuses the enemy. Prayer confuses the enemy. This is the best part. I love this part. How can you praise? I just see the enemy. How can, how can they be praising when I'm throwing all these curveballs at them? When everybody in their family's sick and tragedy has occurred and they keep praising, what is that? What do I got to do to get them? I think of Job. I think of Job who lost it all. Who, Who didn't know why. He was serving God, minding his own business, and he had a lot. And he lost it all. And even his own wife said, what was Job's wife's name? Anybody know? It's not mentioned. They don't even give her credit because she said, curse God and die. We don't know her name. It was just Job's wife because she said, curse God and die. Job said, no, we're not going there. Naked I came. Naked I leave. Penniless. Got nothing left. I'm still going to praise him. And look what the praise paid in return. A life that was faithful got paid double for everything that was lost. You don't think that confused the enemy? You don't think that? Here's the thing. Satan came to God and God offered him Job. God said, have you considered my servant Job? Because God knew that Job would not fold and crack under pressure. God knew that Job revered and reverenced and and, and praised and submitted unto him. Prayer provides purpose for your pain. Prayer provides purpose for your pain. Anybody a farmer? Anybody farm? Anybody here do any farming? I see some folks with your hands up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Plow. Sometimes when things get kind of tough, sometimes when my kids get challenged or if I get challenged, I just say, we're going to keep plowing. It's not good today, but we're going to keep plowing. Just keep plowing. you having a little trouble over here, keep plowing. Having a little trouble at work, keep plowing. Having a little trouble with your health, keep plowing. Having a little trouble with your marriage, keep plowing. Don't give up. Keep fighting. You know what a plow does? A plow goes down into the ground and turns it around. Into the ground and turns it around. That's what a plow does. Tough times come, keep plowing. Do not give up. Whatever it takes, do not give up. When you can't get through it, you're going through hell, get on through it. Pastor preached last week about valleys. Everybody remember the valleys? The only reason there's a valley is because there's two mountaintops. Sometimes when you're in that valley or when when you're living in in hell's hallway, go on through it, keep fighting, don't give up, and you will be victorious. When When it's too painful, keep plowing because God's purpose for your pain. If you learn the lesson in what God's trying to teach you, then you don't have to take the loss. Learn the lesson. Don't take the ill. Prayer pleases the Prince of Peace. It pleases the Prince of Peace. Think about that. I want to live a life that's pleasing unto God. Every night I pray over my children, Lord, let them live a life that's pleasing unto you. Pure, holy, and godly. Pleasing in your sight. Prayer pleases the Prince of Peace peace He's pleased with your pursuit. And here's the thing. I hear people sometimes they come up and say, man, Richie, I just can't get through. I can't get through. God, God Where's God? He hasn't moved. He's not moved. And sometimes there's silence. You've heard it before. The, the, the teacher's silent during the test. Doesn't mean he's not in the room. Doesn't mean he's not in the car. Doesn't mean that he's not overseeing and watching and taking care of you. Understand that your prayers please him and understand that he's looking after you. Even when you can't feel him or even when you see, don't see him. So there's a pattern of prayer. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Practice prayer. The more you do Pray without ceasing. Ongoing, intentional communication with God. Well, what should I pray? How about the Jabez prayer? After you give thanks... Lord, bless me indeed. You know what indeed means? A lot. Jabez said, Lord, bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. Keep your hand close to me. Keep me from evil. Don't let me cause pain. That's a great prayer. What did Solomon pray for? One thing. Wisdom. The richest man in the Bible. The man that had the most stuff. All he asked for was one thing. Wisdom. And because he asked for wisdom and clarity of the mind and discernment and all these things, God added all those other things that people pray for and ask for. Pray for wisdom. Ask God to give you wisdom in every circumstance. Privilege of prayer. Such a privilege it is to pray. Psalm 23, put it up. The Lord is my shepherd. What? I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Are you a glass half full or a glass half empty type person? Psalm says the cup's running over. I'm not talking about half. I'm talking about full, overflow, overrunning, more than enough. That's my God. Abundant life. We have the opportunity to live an abundant life. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the promise of God. After we praise, we follow that pattern. I remember as a a young man where the Bible says pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5. But I remember going to my grandfather's church. I'm fifth generation Pentecostal spirit field. My children are sixth. We go all the way back to Azusa, the mountains of North Carolina, the Appalachian River. We go all the way back. But I remember... My grandfather's church in Chattanooga on Market Street. Some of you that go to the Chattanooga Church, you'll know that church. But it was the North Chattanooga Church of God. And I'll never forget, they used to sing a little song. Some of you may know it. Mike, you probably know it. And it went this way. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our problem. He will hear our faintest cry. Answer by and by. Remember that? Now look at how that works. Because, see, here's the deal. I believe when we pray, we probably ought to listen more than we talk. I'm going to say that again. When we pray, we probably ought to listen more than we talk. Well, you, are, you know, I mean, I hear you guys talk about it all the time. God said this to you. God spoke to you. God, God he didn't speak to me. I, oh, yes, he does. Yes, He does. You're deaf. He's speaking to you. You've got to be willing to listen. And sometimes, see, that's a whole other message, and I won't go there. Ryan knows this message, but the only time you learn is when you're listening. You don't learn when you talk. There's a power in listening. So tell Him all about your problems. He'll hear your faintest cry, but then you need to shut up and say, God, speak. Speak to me. Show me thy glory. Show me what you want me to do. Intercede here and tell me what to do. Listen to what God's trying to say to you when you pray. Get on your knees. Sometimes there's something significant in silence. Something significant in silence. Prayer provides uh, power and perseverance. It prepares you for victory. The great Pat Robertson said it this way. Every great work of God was preceded with prayer. Every great work of God was preceded with prayer. The Olympic Creed says this, I've prepared, I've followed the rules, and I will not quit. Think about it this way. Esther, chapter 2, prepared and prayed for 12 months for one night with the king. 12 months, 6 months bathing in oil and myrrh, 6 months in perfumes and and cosmetic treatments for one night with the king. That preparation, prayer, and perseverance saved an entire generation of Jews. She saved an entire... One woman submitting to God. One woman preparing herself for one night. Changed everything in the Jewish generation. That whole culture. It changed everything. And when I was reading this, thinking about Esther... And the power of a praying mom. Now, let me tell you something. It's just a few weeks ago's Father's Day. And if we had more fathers that were living a godly life and leading the family, we wouldn't have the problems we got in America. But there's something about a praying mama. A mama that gets on her knees and prays. A grandmother that gets on A Proverbs 31 woman. And as I was thinking about Esther's prayers, I couldn't help but think about my wife, so I started running some stuff by her yesterday about this message. And she started preaching to me. And I said, okay, guess what? You're going to come on stage tomorrow. Oh, no, 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 I'm not coming on stage. Yes, you are. You're going to come up and you're going to show how prayer changes things. So I want you to welcome to this stage for the first time. With her two-minute sermonette, y'all know her as Stephanie. I know her as Godly Hottie. I remember, this brings me back to my days in the Commodores when me and my brother Lionel, he's Lionel, I'm Richie. We used to sing a song. Oh, she's... I, I'm sorry.
1: Is it on? Is it on?
0: <laughs> Share with them what you told well, me yesterday. Well, I
1: am a, I'm a submissive wife this morning. I may not be a happy wife uh, <laughs> with my husband this morning, well, but I am being submissive. No, he, he did. We, he was just running some things by, and I said, you know, I, I was just... I've been studying in Isaiah, and um, just trying to go a little bit deeper, or read things, you know, and just kind of read over them, but I guess the day or two before... I had just read in Isaiah 38. I don't know if that's up. I don't. Yeah. But anyway, I'll just read. I'll just use my phone. And it's it's talks about King Hezekiah, and he was the king of Judah, um, and he he became king of Judah, the best king of Judah actually, and he became king when he was 25. And I was watching these young, you know, kids up here, and. One, it, I thought, okay, if I had said no, I would feel really bad because <laughs> the, the children that were up there giving their testimony were awesome, and I applaud them. Um, but Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, uh, did what was right in the Lord's sight. So just remember that. He was a, it was a good king of Judah that did what was right. And it says, as starting in verse 1 in Isaiah 38, About that time Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. And that right there, I thought, wow. This isn't mama being paranoid about something that popped up and thinking, oh, you know, this is the prophet. This is, this is God speaking. Verse 2, when Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. It says he turned to the wall, and that just really hit home with me because back in November, we visited Israel, and we uh, went to the Western Wall, what used to be the Wailing Wall, and I did not understand, but I am watching, you know, you work your way up, to the wall and you pray and it's it's very sacred it's it's very moving but i i watched as um women are on one side men are on the other but i'm watching all these women back up from the wall to leave and i did not understand what they were doing i i I wish i had known ahead of time but i didn't Um, but later the our tour guide we were with a a friend a husband and wife of friends of ours and we asked our tour guide, and we said, why do they back up? And he said, well, because that wall represents God. And as you, you know, you don't turn away from God. So when it says that Hezekiah turned to the wall, I also read, you know, one commentary that said he may have just been turning away from Isaiah and other voices in his life to say he's just all in with God. It's, there are moments when you've just got to be, it's you and God. You know, there is nobody that can fix it for you. It's just uh, God. So then look here. He wept bitterly. I have looked at four translations, not every translation in the Bible, but all four use that same, those same two words, wept bitterly. God sees our tears, right? Um, I mean, I don't yes. know what you're going through, but God sees our tears. In verse 4, it says, and, and, and I read where it said, Even before Isaiah left Hezekiah's home, The message came to Isaiah from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David, says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. Assyria was looking to take over Jerusalem at that time. Um, and And God says, yes, I will defend this city. So, um, you know, I just thought, I don't know. I may not have the answers, but I know who does, you know, I may not can change things, but I know what God who does. And I just want to encourage you that I don't know what you're going through, but, but the question is, can our prayers change God's mind? Yes. It did for Hezekiah. So, you know, there are some things that are unchangeable. If I'm not, if I'm not in the will of God he may say no Richie said we may say no to our girls we may say uh, maybe you're just not ready for it and then there are times that we actually will say hey this is what we think but you tell us you can push back a little bit you know we want to hear from you Um, so even in Ephesians 6 God wants to hear from us it talks about praying continually so I just want to encourage you today with that word now I get a steak instead of chicken for lunch
0: While she's up here, I, I just want to tell you, we, we've done several weddings this summer. I had, I've, I've done several weddings. And I don't do a wedding without counseling. We do five or six premarital sessions. And the one thing that we tell every couple, that I would encourage every couple, every married, every unmarried, every struggling, every successful, every honeymoon, every, every couple, from the day we got married, on our honeymoon night, For 28, almost 20, be 29 years in three weeks. Be 29 years in three weeks. We have embraced at night. Every night, we'll clutch hands, or I'll put my hand on her head, or I'll do whatever. And sometimes she prays it, but we pray this prayer, and I, I challenge you to pray this prayer. Lord, help us to love each other more tomorrow than we did today. God, help us to love each other more tomorrow than we did today. I believe God honors that prayer. I believe there's a power in that prayer. Do not go to bed angry. Do not let the sun rise on your anger. Now, we've been in bed at 3 and 4 o'clock sometimes still talking things out. (laughs) Be quiet. (laughs) Don't you tell on me and make me look bad. Every night, help us to love each other more tomorrow than we did today. God, help us. We can't do it, but you can. I challenge you to pray that prayer. Thank you. You're beautiful. Another prayer I pray, I pray it over you almost every time we pray. I believe in the 5P prayer that I pray over you. At, usually at offering time, I pray for peace, protection, prosperity, promotion, and productivity. Peace. God, give us peace. They talked about a sound mind. That song, give us a sound mind. Let us, let us be clear in our thoughts. God, God, clear my mind and cleanse my heart. Give me peace today, God, in Jesus' name. Peace. Protection. Protection. Let me leave my cell phone if there's an accident about to happen, God. Protect me from evil. Protect me from the enemy. Protect my family. Protect my kids as they drive down the road. Protect us in all that we are into. Prosperity. Oh, I don't believe in all that. What's prosperity to me is having a little bit more than enough. I just want to have enough to take care of everybody and know that it's going to be okay a few weeks down the road. Have a little bit of a nest egg, save a little bit. I just want prosperity. I don't, I don't need jets and all that. I just want to know that there's enough. I want to know that my work is honored. And, and if you work hard enough, that there's enough. That's prosperity in me. Peace, protection, prosperity, promotion. I don't want to be in the same job for 30 years and never get promoted. I want to work in such a way that they recognize my work and they understand and that they promote you along the way. It's okay to ask God for a better job with more pay, with fewer hours that's more fulfilling. It's okay to ask God for new contracts, for new business. It's okay to ask God for these things, peace, protection, prosperity, promotion, and productivity. God, help us to never be called lazy. God, help us to never rely on somebody else to take care of us. God, help us to always go out and be productive with the talents and giftings that he's given us. Parents, you want to leave a legacy? Teach your children how to pray. Pray over your children each night. There's a power in prayer. God's power is greater than your past. I'll say that again. God's power is greater than your past. You don't know what I've done, Richie. It doesn't matter. You don't know what I've done, Richie. Neither does God. Cast your sins into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. Can he remember them yet? Does he choose not to? Yeah. He doesn't remember them. You remember them, but He doesn't. You're forgiven because God's power is greater than your past. The Bible says anyone in Christ is a new creation. When you pray, ask for not your will be done, but thine be done. So tomorrow, I'm closing. Tomorrow, when should you pray? Without ceasing. An ongoing intentional communication with God. How? Praise comes first. Praise precedes petition. Six praise phrases, four asks, and three more praise phrases. Nine to four is the scoreboard. More than double is our our praise. More than double is praise versus petition. Praise Him always. Then what do we pray for? How should we pray? What what, what do we pray What do you pray for, Richie? I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't pray for things I can do for myself. I don't. That's an insult to God. It's an insult to God to be so small-minded that you're praying to the Creator of all and asking Him to do something that you can do for yourself. What's an example of that? God, since I quit playing basketball at Lee University, I've gained about 20 pounds. And you're all-powerful and you're all-sovereign. Your Word says you can do anything, so I need you to go ahead and just take those 20 pounds right off. Chisel me back up to the way that I looked when I was 22 years old. I can do all things through Christ. Your word says that, God, and you can. Is anything too hard for God? Your promises are yes and amen. Do it, God. Did he do it? No. Could he do it? But I can do that myself, right? See, we got to understand that when we pray, when I pray, I ask God for things I can't do. I pray for the big, the B-I-G, not notorious, B I G. The blessings in God. I ask Him for crazy things. I ask Him, Lord, be faithful and show me something that blows my mind. Do something unbelievable. Give us us five more campuses. Thank you for Cleveland. Thank you for Athens. Thank you for Pastor Chris and Amy. Pastor Devin and Ingrid. Pastor Lindy and Andrew. Thank you for all the wonderful people in Athens and the wonderful people in Cleveland. Give us five more campuses. God, let's have ten conferences. God, bring on the big. Do something that we could never do alone and of ourselves. Please stand with me. We need to pray when your 12 year old has to get permission to get in a tannin bed, but can go stop start taking transgender pills without your permission. We need to pray. When they can go get an abortion, but they can't even get a driver's license. We need to pray when culture has told us all these things. We need to pray. You need to pray for yourself. See, here's what what bothers me sometimes in ministry. Number one, I'll always pray for you. Pastor Kevin will always pray for you. Our team, Pastor Chris, will always pray for you. Pastor Chris in Athens will always pray for you. Most of the time, if you come to me and say, hey, will you pray for me about this? I'm going to ask you, did you pray for yourself? Because there's this false sense that a pastor or a deacon or an elder has extra access that you don't have, and that's just false. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. God is no respecter of persons. You have equal access to the throne. When you fly on an airplane and they say, in case of a loss of cabin pressure, put your mask on first before you take care of somebody else. Before you ask for prayer, pray for yourself. Believe that you have equal access, that you are just as, you are just as welcome as a son or a daughter as Billy Graham was. Believe that. Understand that. Understand that you need to pray for yourself. And we're always glad to pray. But I'll, again, Solomon, seek wisdom. And I ask you this question, the last thing I want to ask you today. Do you pray about your circumstances as much as you worry about them? Do you lay in bed at 3 o'clock at night and try to strategize and come up with some thought or idea of how to get out of something you've gotten yourself into? Or do you just say, God, I'm sorry, I'm turning this over to you. This is your battle. I'm I'm, I'm giving this to you because I can't fight this battle. I can't win this battle. I don't know what to do. I submit unto you. Do you worry about it? Or do you pray about it? When you pray about it, you have access to that throne. You submit to God, and His plans are perfect. He will take care of you. Raise your hands. Lord, I thank you for this day and I thank you for the way that you've taught us to pray. I thank you for each person that is under the sound of my voice and is streaming online. Thank you for the great church in Athens, the great work that's taking place up there. Thank you for all that you've done. God, we give you praise for everything that you've done. Before we ask you for anything, we thank you for everything. Lord, we praise you. We thank you. We give you honor today. I bless each person their hands raised that they would have peace and protection and prosperity and promotion and productivity that they would experience extreme favor, unusual, supernatural success in all that they do God may they pursue you because their pursuit pleases you you are pleased with their pursuit today our prayer gives us access to the prince of peace we give you all glory and honor and we will have a great week. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, we never close a service without an opportunity to minister. So this is an open altar call, and we will stay and pray with you till the last person leaves. If you don't know Jesus, or you've strayed away, or you're not as close, or you're not hearing him, get to the altar. Let our prayer team pray with you. If you have prayer for any other circumstance or situation in your life that you need a prayer partner, get to the altar. We will pray with you. If you don't know how to pray, come down and we will teach you how to pray. If you want the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come down and get it today. It's a free gift. Anything you have need of, he knew of that need before you ever walked in the door today. Come down and pray for the rest of you. Have a wonderful week. Walk in the confidence and boldness and peace of God. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Be here next week. Do not miss next week. Be here next week.